0: This is Brian Reisman, host of Side Sidejams, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Ever since Wall Nation became a phenomenon nearly a decade ago with their hit song "Sale," the group's vocalist and mastermind Aaron Bruno has actively avoided a formulaic approach to his music. Instead, he integrates as many different influences as he can. The group's fourth and latest album, Angel Miners and the Lightning Riders, continues a genre-bending trend with a collision of lo-fi and hi-fi sounds, spanning pop to EDM to heavy rock. Its strength is in its diversity— Including lead single "The Best" and its sarcastic commentary on social media narcissism. When he's not actively touring or making music, Aaron loves chasing the perfect wave. He's a lifelong surfer who enjoys the feeling of being out on the water. Sometimes he even solves musical dilemmas while on his board. For this episode of Side Jams, Bruno spoke to me from his home in Southern California about his passion for surfing, along with the friendships that it has created for him and the peace he finds out on the water. He's able to explain surfing terminology in ways that a layman can easily understand, and we delve into how the sport's increased popularity has necessitated him seeking out secret spots to ride his bliss. Oh yeah, he also wants to challenge Anthony Kiedis to a competition on the waves.
1: Thank you for coming on to Side Jam. No problem. I wasn't sure what we were going to talk about. I've spoken to everybody about things ranging from being an equestrian to ballroom dancing to hiking, uh, collecting antiques, uh, history. So I'm curious, like, what turns you on outside of music?
2: Uh, well, it's, it's, it's mainly surfing, and it always has been, and it always will be, <laughs> I think, for me. And, and, and it ties into what I do so well with, with music because it's, I don't know how you feel, but it, it becomes increasingly difficult to find the time to listen to a full album or listen to even what you're working on or an audio book or whatever, whatever that is, unless you're driving, which most of us have not been doing since I last spoke with you. But um, that's a huge part of it, you know, the the search for waves, the science behind it, you know, the chasing of weather patterns and and all that stuff. And I'll drive an extreme amount of time to find just the right wave. And and it may even be one wave I catch. And if it's a great wave, it was worth anywhere from that one hour to four hour expedition to get to the spot. You know, it's, it's the constant search. And I could go on for hours about how important this is, but I, I guess I should. I just want to start by saying it's sure. very helpful for me to spend the time looking for ways because I get to listen to new records and be inspired and discover new music. So it's
1: a twofold purpose here. You drive along, yeah. listen to some tunes, and you finally get there.
2: Yeah, and it wasn't intentional. It's just what it is. You know, Ever since I was a little kid, it's just been who I am.
1: When did you first start surfing?
2: I was boogie boarding at a young age, as far back as I can remember. But I met a couple friends who remain best friends of mine, and I remember I, I think I was 11 or 12, and I brought a boogie board, and they just started clowning me. You know, they, they, I became buddies with these two guys, and they're like, "What fuck is that? We're going surfing, we're not boogie boarding." You know, so I, I felt shamed and embarrassed instantly, and oh, great. borrowed one of their surfboards, and and the rest is history. You know, no disrespect to the boogie boarding or bodyboarding as they call it uh, community, but if you're laying down it can be really fun for sure. But if you could stand, it's, it's that much better. If you could stand on a wave, on a board and I was hooked. That was it. And it was, it was interesting that I played a lot of sports. I always loved music, but I I played a lot of sports. I was an okay youth athlete. I was excellent in some sports like baseball at the time. I had matured before everybody else had. Basically I was like full grown at 12, you know, so, and then everybody caught up to me and got bigger and stronger. And I stayed the same size, essentially, which was a rude, rude awakening because I just figured, oh, I'm just great. at I'm a great pitcher in baseball. And then everybody started just peeing off on me eventually, you know, and they caught up to me. But at that moment, so sports, right. you know, sports was a big thing. My dad had all this hope for me to play for the Dodgers one day, you know, um, <laughs> his dad's dream out here at least. So discovering surfing was a big thing because it was, it was like a cultural – surfing is supposed to be slightly rebellious. You know, it's become definitely extremely mainstream and it's a huge, huge industry, of course. But at the time, this is late 80s, early 90s, it was rare to find someone who surfed. So with that, I discovered a whole new world of music as well because my buddies who surf were listening to more punk rock and, and underground music and indie rock and, and, uh, altern- well, what was alternative back then, you know, the rise of James Addiction and a bunch of other really cool bands. So I was presented with a situation I think socially where I was thinking, man, it's not very cool to me to be into sports because then I was like considered a jock, and my surfer buddies were like, oh, you want to, you want to go practice your cute sports while we're going to actually go surf waves. So I
3: was <laughs> a fork in the road
2: right then I'm like, oh, I know which way I'm going. I'm obviously going to surf. Why would I spend my summer playing summer league baseball? No way. You know that you're off school. But they want you to go practice and be part of this team thing, you know. And uh, by the way, at this point in my life as an adult, I I love watching sports, love baseball, football, and basketball. But um,
1: yeah, I played baseball when I was in the league.
2: Yeah, you know, I was pitcher actually. Yes, I didn't. So I had an 18 strikeout game in seventh grade. That's like
3: wow. Do the
2: math. There was only seven innings, so there was only three batters I didn't strike out. I was just, I was just in the zone, or maybe that team just sucked. Looking back, but either way, that's my claim (laughs) to fame. I had a knuckleball, the whole deal. And um, I was presented with a with with a fork in the road, and I I went left, of course, and surfed. And then with surfing, again, times have changed a lot, for sure. Uh, A lot of athletes play music, but back then it was it was sort of frowned upon to, you know, you couldn't be a good athlete and also have a rad band with credibility that just didn't happen, you know. So back then I put the cleats on the shelf, if you will, right, and um, surfed and practiced my guitar more and started bands, and I just felt like. What I wanted to do, and and thank God I went that way.
1: It's funny the way you're describing surfing back then, because it sounds like people getting tattoos. Yeah. Like back then, you didn't get that many people with tattoos, and then all of a sudden, Motley Crue and a few bands and and athletes started to make it more popular.
2: Even after Motley Crue, I mean, when Motley Crue got tattoos and stuff, that 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 was still underground compared to what tattoos are just common now. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess there is a a parallel there, and there's there's some sort of um comparison to be drawn for sure, but. Yeah, I I mean, I knew in my high school, and I didn't grow up far away from the beach. I was thirty a 30-minute drive to get to the beach. It was only like, I think, 11 miles to the ocean, but there's this mountainous canyon that you had to travel from where I lived to get to the ocean. And I live in that mountain now, in the middle of it. I grew up in the pretty boring, safe suburbs. And it would be a lot cooler if I said I grew up in the city and was around punk rock and art, but so many bands came out of the suburbs, whether they want to admit it or not. Punk rock was a suburban thing, really. Oh, and
1: I think, I think more in California probably than maybe in New York.
2: Definitely, definitely. So, I mean, I was always escaping the what I deemed to be slightly boring. Right. Um, I mean, think about what, I mean, I'm sure it's the same for you. Growing up back then was a lot different than it is now. Just even think about the restaurants that are available in your hometown now that weren't there. growing. I remember when there was a Chili's in Westlake. That was mind-blowing for me, you know. Oh, there's a Chili's. Cool. That was like the hangout spot. You know, now the only chilies I'll see is the to-go one in the airport. And by the way, sometimes that's the best option by far, depending on which airport you're at. But, um, yeah. but yeah, you know, I just I, I, the second the bell rung, I went surfing. That was it. And there have been moments where I've had to make decisions along my journey and career uh, where I had to choose music over good waves and, and missed out on some, some great waves. And I remember all those days. I remember all those stories, which were obviously exaggerated by my friends, I'm sure. But um, as a result, my career has led to probably more freedom than your typical job. So therefore, I'd like to think I'm making up for some of those sessions. I didn't get to experience, you know, with, with my loose schedule.
1: For you, what is it about finding that perfect wave? What's so important about
2: that? It's mostly the feeling. In the accomplishment and the journey, because in order to find the perfect way, there's never going to be a perfect wave, really. You're always searching for the best wave of your life. In fact, I was having this discussion with a, a long-term surf buddy of mine, and the question was asked, do you think you've caught the best wave of your life yet? I didn't know the answer. Like if someone asked, have you written your best song yet? I hope not, you know. Maybe I've written my biggest song, but I don't know if I've written my best song, you know. Say with surfing, maybe I've ridden my biggest wave, but I'm not certain I've I've ridden the very best wave ever. To go a full circle, I said no, I don't think I've ridden my best wave because I'm improving each. See, the thing about surfing is with age you get better at knowing where to be and which waves to not go on. So when you're learning, you just go on everything. You see a wave, ah, I'm going to go, just go on that, and you just kind of flail around because you need to get the experience of riding waves, wave time. So you know it's really frustrating for a beginner because. It's one thing to catch, to be able to catch a wave. Okay, check. I can catch waves. I can stand on my feet. Check. Right, right. Uh, it's the next thing to deal with. F- well, finding waves, that's a whole other thing. And then once you find the waves, how do you get one of them when it's competitive and everybody wants that rush? I've really spent so much of my adult years searching our whole coast to find spots that weren't as crowded. And I can't quite speak on what I've found because I would defeat the whole purpose of it. But I'd much rather surf a mediocre wave with no one around than, uh, than a really good wave uh, with a whole crowd. But as far as to, to answer your question, what a perfect wave to me is, there's so many different shapes and sizes of what that could be defined as for sure. But the ultimate goal is to get inside the barrel, also known as getting barreled or tubed. So when the wave breaks and is hollow inside, if you could ride inside that thing, and be fully covered and fully immersed in this really once-in-a-lifetime wave because, you know, that's the beautiful thing about waves is they only come once in a whole lifetime. They don't repeat. You can see waves that are similar, but they're always going to be slightly different. You know, with wave machines and wave pools, that, that's that's a different thing. That's, that's a machine-man-made deal, you know. But as far as…
0: It's controlled, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah just the raw, natural aspect. It's so cool because that's that one wave. Or, you know, you may be out there and a swell is… Dying, you know every every swell dies. Just such is life, right? You know there's some there's so many metaphors to be drawn from surfing that we always talk about, you know. And you know, so you may catch the last set wave, last wave of the last set of that swell, for example, that afternoon, and then it gets dark, and the next morning it's like a quarter the size. But the ultimate goal is to get barreled and be inside the tube for as long as possible. Whether that's one second all the way, you know, some guys get like ten second barrels, really good guys. My longest barrel. In my head is like six seconds, but it probably was only two and a half because <laughs> it seems like an eternity when you're in there and the sound and everything. But it feels really safe in there. It's, it's this incredible thing that I feel so sad that other people won't experience. There's nothing like it. Honestly, I, I, I got to tell you, if I had to choose sex or getting barreled, I probably would choose getting barreled. I swear. Now,
1: you don't want your wife to hear that. So we'll have to, we'll have to add that part out. She
2: knows, she knows, she knows who I am, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah, totally. But, and so that kind of correlates with music, you know, music can be the most incredible experience you'll ever have. And I don't mean playing it necessarily. That's just a, a gift that, well, it's a gift that keeps giving really in a lot of ways, but the feeling of loving a song and listening to it, that discovery period, that honeymoon phase of a new record you fall in love with, or just even a song, forget about it. I mean, that, That's as good as it gets. You know, it's the little things in life. And that's why, you know, in a time of quarantine and all this uncertainty and blah, 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 it's been so special to either discover new music or fall back in love with music that you loved in the
1: past. Well, it's interesting also you're talking about finding that perfect wave. And it sounds like the same thing with music because as an artist, you're never satisfied. You would have come up with the best song you ever wrote and then all of a sudden you still want to pursue something else because you're not sure that is the best you've ever written. So I imagine with waves, it's a similar thing. You're not sure that you actually did ride the perfect
2: wave. There have been sessions where I feel like I pushed myself to be in the right place at the right time in the right position, you know, be physically capable of, of rising to the occasion, you know, and all those things, much like playing like a, maybe a very important show or playing a massive show or something like that. And where I laid my head that night, I thought, ah, I don't know if it'll ever get any better than that. That was the best thing I've ever experienced, you know? But the second you, once that that's over, you wake up the next day and you just think like, there's got to be more of that. <laughs> you know? You're like, a, it's it's a drug. As I've gotten older, I must tell you, though, I have I've become much less um, desperate to surf just for the sake of going surfing, you know, um, where when I was younger, it was just part of my routine, like I have to surf, I have to surf. Now I can, I can kind of let waves go, you know, if it's, if there's swell in the water around here, but it's nothing special, but you're just, you know, you're just riding waves, same kind of spot that are more crowded it's sort of the only option. And there's a bunch of people around. That's a huge turnoff for me.
1: You don't want to be around a lot of other surfers because they get competitive. It's not really like such a team spirit, maybe the way it was a couple of decades ago or three decades ago. Well,
2: now. yeah, it's, and it's just like music. It'd be like if you you're at guitar center or some spot and there are all these rad guitars to play. And everybody just grabbed him and were playing them. You couldn't help but be judgmental. First of all, one guy would play the worst song. Like, what if a guy's playing a Three Doors Down song or something? You're like, get him out of here. He shouldn't be allowed to <laughs> touch this guitar. You know, and then another guy grabs and plays Zeppelin. You're like, okay, fine right on playing the zeppelin song but they're playing it poorly you know there's all these different things that add up to it or or someone's playing a metallica song but improperly or in the wrong tuning and then you're judging them for that like that happens too when you're surfing you see guys and girls take waves and you go ah that wave was a beautiful wave was just brutally wasted by that person and you can't help but feel this weird competitive almost protective spirit about the whole thing as well i'm sure there's other surfers that aren't this way, but it's, it's something, unfortunately, I, I deal with a lot where I'm like, oh, look at this, look at this person rooting this wave right here, you know.
1: What's the greatest moment you've had surfing so far?
2: There's not one. There really isn't one. There's, there's a lot of days I look back at that that were, the, the best moments are, are the days that I'm scared because I feel like it's a little bit out of my element of comfort. So it's a little bigger. The, the days where you're presented with split decisions, you know, like, oh, do I even try to paddle out to duck dive this wave? And duck diving is when you basically take your board and you duck dive underneath the wave that's breaking. Well, if it breaks right on you, you you can kind of sneak through this door and and pop out on the other side and you're you're fine, although it's sketchy. But if it breaks, let's say it's called the impact zone where it ex- hits where the wave folds and breaks and explodes in front of you. If you're if you're if the impact zone is sort of I don't know, let's say 10 feet. In front of you you're you're just screwed there's no there's no good way around that you either ditch your board, try to hold on to it and duck dive and there's no good i i mean i I did a live stream with a pro surfer named Connor Coffin and I was asking him there's no good answer to it there's no secret and you just get pummeled underwater I mean your limbs are just being pulled in every direction, and as you get older you, these are the moments where you realize like I hope I stretched because you never know it feels like your foot's going to be Put up your own ass or something it's just insane the power <laughs> of the ocean just tearing you in every direction and, and sometimes you're breathing well you're not breathing you're holding your breath so long and you just have to stay calm because if you panic that's when you can't hold your breath as long you know so i try to go limp and like cover my head as best as i can and find my way to the surface eventually but those days where i'm scared and then i get a good wave within this chaos those are the days I feel like I've I've progressed. I've pushed myself, and there was an incredible result. If I ended up getting a barrel that day, per se. There's also days where you're alone. If you if you're lucky enough to find a, a good day alone, that could be an ex- incredibly spiritual experience. Your phone's nowhere near you. Although a lot of people have their little waterproof i watches out there now. I love throwing my phone in the back of the car, you know, and paddling out there. There are also days that you get to share essentially utopia with a best friend. So you'll see photos of like, it looks like Baja back in the day in in the seventies or sixties and guys just surfing waves together. I mean, there's a scene in endless summer, the original Bruce Brown film where um, they discover a wave called Cape St. Francis in South Africa, very close to Jeffrey's Bay. That's basically, well, arguably one of the most perfect waves ever documented in history. As time went on, it was revealed that this place rarely broke like this, but, that would be the closest thing to a perfect wave. It's not big at all. This this day is actually just very mellow and good. That would be the closest thing to um, any sort of documented perfect wave or perfect day with, with only like three or four buddies surfing it together. If you catch this great wave, you, you know it's just you and God who experienced it, right? But yeah, your friends aren't going to believe you. You're like, I'm telling you, I caught this wave. This is what happened. I threw myself into the thing, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, sure, dude. You know, but if they see it, it happened, you know? <laughs>
1: What are your pre-surfing rituals like? You know, stretching, warming up, and how much time you can't just jump into the water.
2: You can't. But the problem with that is you want to be prepared. So if I'm, I stretch every day because I've, I've like have a few lower back issues from actually from touring and and shows and falling from stage dives and stuff.
1: Occupational hazard.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Actually, I never in AWOL, I've never touched the ground from my own personal stage dive. That was a goal of mine when we started this thing. Never happened. It happened a lot at other band shows and like doing stupid shit. But I've never, I've never hit the ground except when a security guard didn't catch me as I was thrown from from the crowd. Ouch! It's like in the gap, so I don't count that as falling because that's in the gap. You know what I mean? Anyways, uh, I I try to stretch in the morning first thing, and then so once I get there, I'm ready to go because you know your heart starts pounding if you're seeing good waves. Anything can happen, man. You know you could be like. Oh my gosh, it's perfect out there. And then the second you hit the water, the wind changes. If I would have been here just 30 minutes ago, I could have had, like you said, the wave of my life or that perfect wave. You're always searching for it. Things can change. It's so devastating when that happens. I'm a pretty excitable person and fairly emotional. <laughs> so I could definitely show up and and it'll be, you know, the wind will be offshore, for example, which means it's blowing from the land into the ocean. So when a wave goes to break, the wind is blowing, fighting against the wave itself. So when it ends up breaking right. at the last minute, it's more hollow because of the wind. Okay, so that's the that's good wind, or glass, or when it's glassy, that's great. You don't want onshore wind where it's blowing from the ocean in, because then as the wave goes to break, it kind of crumbles and the surface is kind of junky and rougher for your board to navigate through. If that makes sense. So a lot of times you'll have a window of offshore wind or glassiness, for that matter. And you know it's only going to last a certain amount of time. So you want to do your stretching earlier. So when you get there, you could just suit up and paddle out rather than like, all right, I'm going to sip on my coffee, do my little ritual and stuff, and then get out there. Sometimes you could do it, obviously, because you know it's not going to make a difference. But I'm kind of like when I get there, I put my suit on. Um, One of my mentors growing up, this guy who took us surfing when we were kids, he would always put his leash on at the car. And I I was like, that's crazy, man. You're putting your leash on here. You're not going to walk down. He's like, always be ready. Put my leash on here, I'm gonna run out there and surf, you know. And that stuck with me. to each his own, of course. There's no there's no right thing, but right. once I get there it, I'm I'm ready to party, you know.
1: You're talking about the leash that, that's attached to your ankle and connecting Correct. you to the surfboard. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because they both times interviewed for this and for Grammy you've been you've been very laid back. So I wanna see excitable, Aaron. I wanna see you like uh, on the waves, like <laughs> Yeah. I mean,
2: you know, that's the trust me. I can't tell you how many times I've been, uh, I've let down fans when they meet me, you know, in like a meet and greet or something where they go, wow, you're really mellow. I expected you to be (laughs) basically insane. I'm like, well, would you you rather I said hello in a screaming vocal in your face right now?
1: What's your mental state like when you're out in the waves rather than on land? And has it ever helped you come up with an idea for a song being out there? Yeah,
2: definitely. I've actually paddled in when I've had ideas to songs. Or I've just concentrated to remember this idea. It's usually not a brand new idea as much as it is a solution to the song. Like maybe I'll have a part of a song I'm working on, like a bridge section that I don't necessarily have vocals or a melody for. And it'll come to me in the water. And then I uh, either cut my session short because it wasn't that good anyways out there and it was just time to go. Or um, I just do my best to try to remember it and drill it into my head. And then if it's gone and I lose it, maybe it just wasn't that good to begin with.
1: You know, I come up with a lot of writing ideas, and I—I I mean, I jam with some friends in the '90s. I always have little riffs in my head, or I have story yeah. ideas. I write down dreams. So you got to remember; it's kind of tough because, like, if you have a musical idea in your head and you're like walking through a noisy airport or something, oh yeah, you have to make sure you find a place and you want to record it and not look like a crazy person while while you're doing it. Like yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Are there any films that you recommend that people check out as far as the sport goes?
2: Well, just just the classic *Endless Summer*. I mean, it's pretty hokey for sure. Surf films kind of we get we get a bit hokey back then, um, but it breaks down a more simple time of surfing in some ways, and um, you get to see cool ways, and you get to see these guys riding longboards, much bigger boards, and riding really well and smooth. And I failed to mention that longboarding is a really cool thing too. So while chasing bigger waves and hollow waves and, and more radical waves, um, okay, that can be exhilarating and exciting. But the flip side is riding a really big longboard, a traditional longboard, um, in smaller more mellow ways can also be fun as well. It's like the difference between listening to, you know, like an aggressive rock record or a heavy metal record. And then you're having a glass of wine with, with your lady or whatever, and you put on an acoustic album or a classical album or something like that. <laughs> Cause I, you know, I love all music. So I'm the same way with surfing. I never understand the guys that just shortboard. Right. Cause they just feel this need. And that gets into more of like the jock bro kind of culture mentality, which is definitely a turn, turn off, you know? Um, How
1: do you see yourself as different, being different than other surfers?
2: I don't know. I, I I have a you know a handful of buddies that I'm still friends with that I grew up surfing with that I that we probably wouldn't still be friends if it weren't for surfing keeping us together. Yeah, I would say that something I that feels common with all of us is that we don't feel the need to surf the any of the popular spots necessarily. You know, they they become you know so overpopulated that they can just have it. You know, and and so we'll try to find our own our own zone. But it's frustrating. Sometimes the only option is to paddle out with way too many guys and that's not good for the soul either. But then when you're out there it's this weird thing, surfing's supposed to be this zen awesome deal, but you have to be competitive, otherwise you just won't get waves. So you find yourself scrapping around with people um in order to catch a wave and that's that's not necessarily a healthy place either and, and I don't like when I go there but I, I do definitely um I, I think I've been known to snake a few people here and there when, when it was necessary. <laughs> And I've been snaked many, many times. That's the other thing is coming up, especially in the nineties where violence was much more common there were a lot there was a lot more localism back then, so we would surf these spots right. where you'd get these guys you know these salty characters that were older that would come and just beat us up or key our cars or wax our windshields. Those were real things we dealt with you know that would
1: well what was what was that all about? I don't understand that
2: well, you know I mean if you find a wave if you love a wave and you live there and you surf there every day it's understandable that you get frustrated when a bunch of people from out of town come in to surf your wave. It's basically that mentality. It's a territorial thing, and, you know, the ocean is open, so there's really no rules like that, but, I mean, people used to shoot paintballs at us and stuff like that, and, you know, I got my car broken into a few times, or someone would write kook on your windshield or whatever. It was, it was pretty lame, you know. On the flip side, now, everywhere is super crowded, and it's hard to get waves, so, you know, I guess part of me is glad that I experienced that because it toughened me up a little bit to deal with stuff and not take stuff so personally in some ways. But, um, the competitor in me, you know, when, when I have to get out there and actually catch waves, I, you know, I'm not afraid to stick my nose in there and get a wave because, you, t- you know, otherwise you're just going to be sitting there forever. But it, it's rare that I put myself in those lineups. But if I have to, I, I feel confident that I can actually catch some waves. It's just like life, any... you know. In some ways, like you know, if you're competitive with writing or competing, competitive in your field with anything, you have to right. sometimes step out to to try, you know.
1: Sure. Well, have you have you had any scary moments out in on the ocean? Have you had any any Jaws moments?
2: Nope, no Jaws moments. Just watched Jaws the other day for the first time in my whole life because I, re- I refused to watch it. Um, just refused to watch it for good know. reason.
1: When you were a kid, but it traumatized you.
2: Yeah. Even now I was like, oh, I don't wanna watch this and my wife wanted to see it and it's just it's just one of the best films ever made so it's just a so stoke to see it. But um <laughs> luckily I mean it was still horrifying to me. But no, I haven't had any Jaws moments. Um the scary stuff has been uh you know, little injuries here or there or other people's bored. that's the other thing is if people get so heated up when other surfers don't know the kind of unspoken rules of whose turn it is or who has the inside or the right of the wave. So if someone drops in on you that maybe is less experienced and it's a critical section of the wave, maybe it's more hollow or faster, their board could irresponsibly and accidentally hit you in the face or get a fin, gash your arm, or whatever that's it is. So that, that's why people get a little bit, especially in Hawaii, in, in pipeline, and really popular spots, people get really aggro because they have to uh, kind of defend the whole system of it all, because it's dangerous. Now, do
1: you have any advice for like people who are who want to surf or are up-and-coming surfers?
2: It's just too much trouble. Just don't do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's funny.
2: I would say, you know, f- find your own spot. Don't fall into the trap of going to the, the spots that are just promoted by Surfline and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's probably better to find your own little peak, and that way you'll have more opportunities to get better and learn how to stand up and actually catch waves rather than, you know, kind of being stuck.
1: Have you ever surfed in competition?
2: Never, 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 never. Would you want to? No, no way. I mean, I, w- I would like to compete against other, like, maybe singers, you know, or something that are similar skill level to me. That'd be kind of fun. There's a few people I see surfing, you know. I'd love to challenge Anthony Kiedis to a one-on-one competition.
1: Excellent. Maybe, feel, maybe I'll hear this and he'll he'll I, take me I
2: on. I, I feel confident that I beat him, and that's why I'd like to – uh, that's why i'd like to take him on but there's some there's some guys that are really good you know like uh, jack johnson is a pro surfer um, there's some guys that are really good for sure but i could take kiedis down for sure you
1: know. <laughs> so are you going to be you going to be hitting the waves this summer you think quarantine is going to affect surfing very much at all this year
2: no you could surf now again i was just reading the forecast for the summer just on a, on a straight up nature level uh that it's looking like it's gonna be a smaller summer than usual so that's kind of a bummer but The summer I kind of kick back, and you know I I have a few good days here and there. I'm more of a winter surfer guy, so December, January, February are the the best months of of my life each year, unless I'm on tour. That's fun too.
1: Well, there you go. I guess the last question I have is, what kind of a board do you
2: ride? I have so many different kinds for different occasions. It's it's kind of like a a golf bag. You know, you you wouldn't take your driver to putt. You know, so if you show up, if I know it's small, I'll bring a long board because it's easier to catch small waves on a long board, and there's like more of a, a mellow vibe with that and then if it's bigger or the condi- uh, the shape is powerful enough there's a certain kind of short board i ride and then if it's a little bit bigger than that there's a step up board i have that uh, is a step up from my regular short board to ha- to handle the paddling around like when it's bigger you need more board to paddle better basically so if your board's too small it's really hard to catch a big wave
0: does your and wife then, ever watch you surf
2: yeah she goes when we were first dating she was much more interested in watching me and now she I, I, I'll do something rad or like I'll look back to see if she saw it and she's obviously not looking at all she's playing with the dogs you know
1: <laughs> well, that's the way it goes sometimes <laughs> yeah so well thanks man I appreciate your time again
2: yeah no problem it's good to talk to you again
1: yeah and hopefully we'll see you out on tour maybe uh, 2021 at this yeah. point yeah totally you gonna have more time to surf I guess and, and make yeah, some more music yeah. hopefully
2: yeah I got, I got plans
1: alright dude all right, man. Have a great summer.
2: You too. All right. Take
0: care. That wraps up this latest episode of Side Jams. Please join me for the next installment, which will be coming soon. The tunes used in this episode are from Fox and the Law, and I licensed them through AudioSocket. As always, thank you very much for listening.